I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every Hi, everyone. We're here with Roundtable with Dr. Paul Meyer, and we're going to be talking about a subject that always gets the most listens, and that is narcissism. But fear not. We're not going to um, ruminate too much on the things we've already discussed. We're going to talk about this in a new way and the concept of healthy narcissism, if that is actually a reality, and we'll discuss our thoughts on that, and destructive narcissism, and bring in our own uh, behaviors into this one, because I know you all love it when we call ourselves out on things. Um, So, Paul, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I'm delighted. This is a fun topic to talk about. Absolutely. And then we have the lovely and talented Melanie Van with us, too. (laughs) What's up with the accent, Kristen? I have no idea. <laughs> Thank you. It's Thank you for the my, special little accent. I really appreciate it. <laughs> it's because my, I, I, it's so cold here that today, I, I guess I wasn't paying attention. I was so busy working that my nose started to feel like it was free, you know, frozen. And I went and yeah. looked at my heat and it was down to like 64. So my throat is weird. And uh, I'm trying to warm it up and trying to do different vocal ranges and stuff to get it to warm up because it literally feels like I ate ice cream 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. I bet. So I'll start with, um, you know, if you Google and you get to Wikipedia and it, it, you know, has a page, of course, devoted to healthy narcissism. And there's all kinds of people like Freud who wrote about normal narcissism and uh, Salon. I don't know if that's how you pronounce the last name, but Salon's. Uh, Ronnie Salon's healthy narcissism and then, you know, the impact of healthy versus destructive narcissistic managers. So there's a lot of, um, you know, across the spectrum. Then there's other people who absolutely say there's no such thing as healthy narcissism. So I want to start with you, Paul, because you did a a ton of research on on this. Oh, yeah, we're going to be definitely saying, oh, yeah, I I bet. Yeah, I need to look at that. So, Paul, I turn it over to you to let's talk about some of the research you did today. Okay. Well, uh, my, my own opinion is that um, there's all degrees of narcissism, and uh, and we all have some. And um, and and uh, so I don't think anything that's narcissistic 
really the definition of narcissism really, I mean, um, is, I mean, in my opinion, it's anything that we do that's selfish and takes advantage or hurts uh, somebody else. So, uh, you know, the, the Bible would call it sin. And uh, so I don't think there's any such thing as healthy narcissism because it's never healthy to to hurt somebody else or take advantage of or manipulate other people. Um, right. uh, but there, there's, but there's healthy people that are narcissistic because all, all people are somewhat narcissistic. So I think there's a healthy degree of it and, and, but, but it's still not good, you know, but, and then right. if, if there's extreme, if there's extreme narcissism then it becomes a uh, problem. And if, if it's uh, uh and they say that, that 1% of the population would be so extreme that they would call it a narcissistic personality disorder. That sort of surprised me. I thought, I really uh, would guess it's a lot higher than that. I think that's research. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's just people that are diagnosed with it. And, and that's what I think. People are diagnosed with it. Yeah, and, and, and we all know. I was going to say, none of therapy, so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> There's no way to <laughs> have no. We have no actual criteria to um, talk about numbers because yeah. they don't show up in therapy or stay very long. <laughs> Melanie, what percentage of the population, you're a counselor, what percentage of the council, of the population would you guess are nurse, uh, that that are would be narcissistic personalities? I would I would say more like ten or fifteen percent for sure. Yeah, I would too. I would yeah, too. yeah, yeah. And one yep. thing that surprised me uh, that, is that. Uh, um, it's equal between men and women. Yeah. Men, men get a lot worse rap for it, but yeah. it's more subtle in women. Um, True, but it's there. Okay, I, I here, believe let, that hands down. Uh, let, let, let me read this uh, just brief paragraph here. The ratio of narcissistic men and women is 50-50, but women hide it more because of our culture. Men are expected by society to be more aggressive outwardly, uh, but female narcissists are pushed by our culture to be quote unquote sweet and less outwardly aggressive, but are equally aggressive in more subtle ways, um, like bullying, gossiping, pitting people against each other. And uh, so um, it, it, it affects both males and females alike. Um, it's a fallacy to think that it's only the male population. That's because you know, we hear about men beating women and raping women and all that sort of thing. Um, let's see. But that such an error in thinking is dangerous because it denies the harm that women can do to their victims. Yep. Uh, female narcissists render their victims to just as much pain, humiliation, chaos, and destruction as that wielded out by their male uh, counterparts. Um, uh, more men present with narcissistic traits than women. Um, but there's a, um, um, but women, because women's is more, like I said, it's more subtle, so it's harder to pick up lots of times. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's more covert because we're socialized covert. to be more covert. <laughs> yes. When I think about a woman narcissist, I think about the word cunning, you know, they're just, they yes. can be extremely yeah. cunning and manipulative. Um, and sometimes the sweetness is used in a very divisive way. Um, so it just doesn't present itself. I mean, some of the sweetest people in the world, women end up being, you know, raging narcissists on the inside. So got to watch out. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly wait for that first mask start to flip and then it comes exactly. off completely and yeah yeah exactly so paul what would you say you know in, in doing the research what did it say in terms of like here's what quote unquote healthy narcissism is or narcissistic traits I, I, I didn't, are I didn't, yeah yeah i didn't okay narcissistic traits um, um okay let's see what's the best way to do this um here's uh some common traits and then i've got a list of like you know maybe a hundred of them that we don't want to read uh but but, but we do want to get vulnerable today so uh okay yeah. an obvious self-focus here's here's some of them an obvious self-focus in interpersonal exchanges and i'd say i do that sometimes you know i'll be uh i'll find myself with with people and find myself bragging about things you know name dropping and stuff like that <laughs> me too <laughs> I think everyone does that a little bit. Everyone does that. You know, this takes me back to our conversation about personality. The last time was that our last show, Kristen, on personality. Loved that show. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I mentioned on the show that I'm an INFJ, and and part of the INFJ personality is to be introverted, but also introspective and thinking. And so I'm oftentimes in my own little world dissecting things and that can come off as being narcissistic, I'm sure, even though that's totally not what I'm trying to do. Yeah. It, it can come off yeah, as yeah, that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Let me read you. Let me read you. You know, I'm looking at this on Wikipedia and it has a, a column for healthy narcissism and it's very short. There's only five listed. And then there's a column for destructive narcissism. Yeah. And I'm not saying I agree with it. Yeah, it's thrown around. I might agree with it. Tell me what it is. Yeah. So the characteristic would be, let's say, self-confidence. Under healthy narcissism, that would be high outward self-confidence in line with reality. The destructive narcissism oh. column would say it's grandiose. Oh. oh, that's ridiculous. I mean, I mean, that's ridiculous because self-confidence is is a good thing. Yes, you know, I know. That's why the Bible, even, the Bible even says, "Cast not away your confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. Be confident." Yep, that's a healthy. That, thing. And it, it, I don't know why they would call are, that healthy. Why would they call that healthy narcissism? Because it's not narcissism. It's not hurting anybody to be confident okay i just don't i don't know (laughs) i don't like it either and there are a lot of people that just don't believe that if you have zero percent narcissism that's yeah or if you have one percent narcissism that's good that's bad and there's many 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 therapists mds uh lay people you know that that believe that but the next one is desire for power wealth and admiration under healthy narcissism it says may enjoy power and under destructive narcissism, pursues power at all costs, lacks normal inhibitions in its pursuit. Mm. Okay, and, and there's there's um, could be real mature ways that we could desire power um, if if our goal is to help uh, other people. Then um, you know us doing a podcast, you know, is in a sense. Um, a desire for power, not to, and yeah. not the power to, to get um, recognition. I mean, although that may be, I'm sure that's part of my unconscious motives, you know, because I, I, I like <laughs> it. But, but uh, hopefully our, our main goal is because we, we like 
all three of us like to help people. And so it's, it's a, we're using, you know, we're using technical, technical power to, to help thousands and thousands of people. And that's fun. Right. I look at it too, like, um, in degrees. So younger years in my twenties, when I was, you know, at my, when I started my first company in my late twenties and I, um, you know, did some, I cut some people off at the knees, um, because they weren't, um, meeting my expectations or I, you know, just did things that weren't, were much, I wasn't mature enough to be confident in my own power. I was still learning. I mean, there, there were definitely ways where I behaved more, um, narcissistic. Um, and I, I wouldn't put it in the healthy category completely unless you could say well for a 26 year old that's pretty <laughs> standard and you evolved out of that you know i mean that's kind of how i look at it but i still don't know that i believe the word healthy narcissism so okay the next one is relationships real concern for others and their ideas does not exploit or devalue others that's under healthy narcissism and then we have destructive yeah. narcissism as Concerns limited to expressing socially appropriate response when convenient devalues and exploits others without remorse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, narcissists don't have empathy. You know, uh, a healthy person um, would, I mean, you know, all three of us, if we saw somebody suffering right now, you know, we'd be sad. We'd cry yeah. and we'd get angry and want to you know want justice and want to protect and a narcissist uh, would not even empathize he would just observe he or she uh, would just observe and not have empathy or be or, and, or, or even or excited like about it you know yeah or yeah. even get excited about it yeah i think so doing I some admit. of that it <laughs> go ahead <laughs> <laughs> okay I, I have to admit like i thought of something uh just this weekend, I won't get too specific, but uh, there was, uh, you know, you, you, I mean, I can see a sad uh, commercial of children starving in Africa and start crying, you know, just from a commercial. But and so I'm an empathetic person, but um, somebody that in in our popular culture that I really, really, really don't like um, um, got uh, injured. And I mean, not a horrible injury, but got injured. And my first thought was, oh, good. You know, <laughs> and my wife, in fact, my wife and I, my wife and I both said it at the same time. <laughs> we saw it on TV and we said, oh, good. You know, and, and, then, and then we both thought and we looked at each other and we said, that's not right. You know, we, we should have empathy for that person too. <laughs> oh, karma. Yep. karma. And that's karma. like, oh, that's karma. like, that's like normal. I mean, that's on. Well, I think too. It's it's okay. So concerns limited to express, expressing socially appropriate response when convenient devalues and exploits others with, without remorse. So to me, that reads like okay. Um, their concern, someone who's um, destructively narcissistic or is narcissistic totally, if we aren't going by the healthy narcissism piece, they're everything is um, an extension of themselves. So when they feel empathy or shallow empathy, if they're capable of having that at all for other people, it isn't really about that other person. 
it's them feeling in some way sorry for themselves. <laughs> yeah. And it really oh, isn't about that okay. or, or that what? they got caught. Yeah. Yeah. Or is that whole concept of uh, cognitive empathy versus emotional yeah. empathy, uh, which a lot of narcissists are very good at having cognitive empathy. They know exactly when they're supposed to be empathetic and they can be very good actors in doing so. But in reality, there's absolutely no connection. They can't put themselves in someone else's shoes. Um, and it's really just an act so that they appear to be, um, you know, kind and considerate when in reality, it's the furthest from the truth. Oh yeah, Absolutely. they're big phones. They're big pretenders. Yeah. Pretend Absolutely. to be really good, really bad. Yep. So the next one is ability to follow a consistent path. Under healthy narcissism, it says has values, follows through on plans. Under destructive narcissism, lacks values, easily bored, often changes course. See, this is where I'm like, you know, I don't, there's so many layers to this. I don't see what has values and follows through on plans has to do with the term like healthy narcissism. But anyway, going yeah, by this I, grid, yeah. that's what I don't even use that say. term anymore. Healthy yeah. Okay. So the last it's, one and then we'll it, move it, on. It's, it's healthy. It, it's, uh, it's positive traits that some people could misinterpret as narcissism. That's what I would okay. say. Okay. Like self-confidence. Some people say, oh. That, that person's really narcissistic because they're so self-confident. Oh, no, they may not be. They may be real humble and still self-confident in, in certain areas. You know, so. Well, think about that in terms of, uh, like, I, I, I was I on a like guest that. on a radio. Yeah, I don't either. But I was on, I was a guest on a radio show with a psychologist or psychiatrist, I don't remember, but he um, he's got a really, really popular show. And uh, towards the end of the show, he said, you know, you are really confident. <laughs> and... It was the first time I'd heard a male say that to me um, that was saying it as a compliment or that I was able to take it as a compliment because this is part of the female male thing that you were talking about earlier, Paul. When I was, I've always had this level of confidence. I don't know where it comes from. I certainly didn't learn it from my family, but I've always had that, um, which is why I could run my own business and be a consultant and do podcasts and all those things. And but the way I was raised was, oh, self-confidence is brag is bad. Like you, that's not an attractive yeah. quality, especially for a female to have. Yeah. And I was constantly yeah. being pitted against um, men who were confident and could brag and do all these other things to the extent that it was unhealthy. It wasn't, you know, a nice humble pie sort of confidence it got into you know unhealthy side and I, I was always like well why did they get to do it and I get in trouble for just having a smidge of confidence so yeah. that goes back to the male female stuff chauvinism. that's chauvinism <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes absolutely so okay last you're, one foundation you are, you are confident Kristen and and yeah. I don't see that yeah I know you real well and uh, I, I know, I mean, so in our private conversations and things like that, I know that, you know, how much you care about others and want to do good. And your goal in life is to just help as many people as you can. And, uh, and but you're confident to all the things that you're doing. You know, I, 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 I could not ever do the things that you do. Uh, oh, my gosh, you know, Paul. Got, Seriously. You got, you got a bunch you, of balls how many rolling. Books? How many books yeah, have you no, written I, I, and your 
no, I, I can do a few things well. And then, and, and so I've, 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 you know, I'm confident in my ability to do, you know, uh, psychiatry and, and, uh, write books and care about people. And, and, uh, and, uh, and I love clinical work. I love talking to uh, people um, and helping them and things like that. It feels really good, but, but there's other things that I'm horrible at. I mean, I, I don't know a carburetor from a hubcap, you know. Neither do I. I went across the street in directions, and and and, and I can't. I'm I'm lousy at business. Yeah, and I'm, we are. And yeah, I came, I'm I not came out zero in in that personality test you guys were talking about. I came out zero for leadership because I'm <laughs> I'm more of a cheerleader than, than a leader. I am not a leader. Funny. People think I'm a leader because because I've got a large national chain of nonprofit clinics, but I don't run them. My little sister runs them. I couldn't run them if my life depended on it, you know. I don't have, and that, that's, I don't, I'm not a leader, that, I'm a cheerleader. That's part of what, I think the balance is nice when you can be both the cheerleader and the leader at the same time. That's what I try to go towards uh, with what I'm doing. You are a leader. Be able, you are a leader. You are a leader. And you I get can't, stuff done and you're creative and I, yeah, I can't help it. I came out breach. <laughs> yeah, I came out breach feet first, and I've been doing it ever since. I can't help it. I was either going to be yeah. a good leader or a bad leader, no matter what, I was going to be a leader. Yeah. So thankfully, I don't have a lot of the unhealthy narcissism or I've weaned it out of myself over the years. Life beats it out of you if you really are not um, someone, with, especially with a personality disorder. Life and face planting many, many times <laughs> will beat the unhealthy narcissism out of you but okay the last one is foundation healthy childhood with support for self-esteem and appropriate limits on behavior towards others and the destructive side would be traumatic childhood undercutting true sense of self-esteem and or learning that he or she doesn't need to be considerate of others I mean, yeah. Melanie, what do you think about that? Because, you know, we we did not have a lot of healthy childhood stuff, and yet we chose to go in this other direction than the um, not learning how to be considerate of others. So what do you think about those two things? Yeah, well, I mean, I was I, I was lucky and I had my parents and, and they mm -hmm. were extremely supportive and very caring and did things for other people continuously you know my dad was a coach so I had my parents as a as a foundation now the, the other things that have happened in my life were certainly very traumatic and um, certainly could have taken me down a road that I didn't want to go down but as I was listening to you and Paul talk I was thinking um, that narciss we we all have narcissism we're all very egocentric as as children and as we age we're supposed to outgrow our narcissism and that's what I was thinking and we all know that narcissists are, are like toddlers that stomp and have fits right because they they right. literally see the world in this very limited worldview because for whatever reason they have not been able to transition and grow past their own narcissism so, I think those of us that would not be diagnosed clinically as a as a pathological narcissist, we may have areas in our lives that where the growth has been stunted and maybe mm. somehow narcissism works in and out there. Um, but as our healing continues, I think I think those traits just get less and less. So 
I think that's the key is, is working through your, the trauma or whatever it is that you've been through. And I even think that, you know, an adult can get into adulthood, not have any trauma and not be a narcissist and have an extreme trauma and revert. I I think, I really Mm -hmm. think that's probably happened, um, which is really kind of crazy and sad, but anyway, so those, those are my thoughts is that, we all have narcissism as you know, we're, we're born with it really, but we're supposed to grow and develop and push through those things because selfishness should not feel good. Self-serving should not feel good. Um, and that, and, and basically it does feel good for narcissists to be selfish and self-serving. That's, that's how they keep their ego going because their ego is weak. Um, and so, you know, it's hard. yeah, it, it's hard for people to see a newborn baby and think of that newborn baby as being as uh, narcissist. A, a little, I know, uh, narcissist. <laughs> but, but, but a baby is. But a baby is. That yeah. the whole, they, they think their view. You know, Piaget did a lot of studies on kids yes. growing up and stuff like that. And uh, when you're when you're a, a, a little infant, you are the world. You know, I mean, you are the world. And uh, and then as you get a little older, you realize that, that you, you know you see your mom as an extension of you, somebody that can uh, give you food when you're hungry and change your diaper when you're wet and things. And and, uh, um, and and they say a lot of people who end up narcissistic have mothers that weren't real empathetic and didn't change, didn't give them hugs, and didn't give them you know that kind of affection when they're growing up. And uh, and and so they they can become less. Uh, emotionally attached because the mom may not have been as attached uh, to the child. And, and, and some kids grow up, um, well, since we're basically selfish when we're little, um, we learn through love and discipline to overcome that. The older we get, the more we find out that we're, we are not the world. There are other people out there. And, right. uh, and you know, so the more we mature, the more we see ourselves as, as uh, just a part of this, huge world and in, in that we'd like to make a little dent, you know, in the world, making, you know, helping others. But, but, uh, if you grow up being spoiled and, and your mom gives or dad gives you everything you want and they act like the world revolves around you. And unfortunately throughout history, males have been, have been treated more that way. So I, I yep. guess it would, there ought to be more males than females that are narcissists. I'm not, maybe, maybe I'm not agreeing with that. 50 50 thing that that i read but uh but but males tend to be more spoiled than than girls in general usually and uh but but if you're spoiled you're allowed to remain a narcissist you don't outgrow it yeah still entitled because your mom and dad told you you were entitled and then and then and then some narcissists are that way uh because they were beaten and uh and traumatized growing up they had parents that were physically abusive and sexually abusive and and if you're abused enough when you're young, in those first six years of life, then uh, then you feel like the whole world is against you, and people are worthless. They're just, you know, they're just, you know, uh, you just have to learn to manipulate your way in society to survive. And so, uh, right. some just are spoiled. I think the majority are spoiled, or or they don't have any attachments, and then a lot of them are also um, um, abused. 
I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Agreed. And I, I love the distinction because there are so many, uh, there are so many people out there that are just even clinicians that are, that study this and say it's always um, that they've been abused. And uh, I, we had um, someone on our network who wrote an excellent article. I'm talking about Shahida Arabi, Melanie, and listeners, mm-hmm. you know who that is. This young woman is just incredible. What a researcher. Um, she's got a degree uh, with uh, psychology somewhere in, in that degree from Columbia. She's 25, I think, and she's, you know, she's just brilliant in how she writes about it. And she was writing, saying, um, they are not always abused. That is not true. There are plenty that were not abused, um, that did not have traumatic backgrounds. They were just completely spoiled and, um, you know, grew up with a sense of entitlement, Uh, you know, uh, what is it, Uh, disordered entitlement that, you know, that they're stuck in and, you know, they refuse to, you know, grow out of that. Um, and she got attacked by several clinicians online saying that's oh, not true. And yeah, not politically like trolling. Correct. You know, the, 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 really the, the, politic, the politically correct view is that we're all born good. You know, there's, we're, we're only good. And then, and then uh, because we uh, don't get what we need, uh, we become uh, selfish and narcissistic and things like that. And, mm. and uh, I don't I mean, we're born good. I think we're born uh, self, self, self-centered, narcissistic. If we don't get what we want right away, we scream, you know, and holler. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we're not born good, we, but we can become good by current setting examples of being good and, and uh, by discipline uh, when we're not good. Absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely true. I just think it's that, you know, old adage of biosocial, you know, psychosocial model. And that I think some people are probably born with brains or maybe their hippocampus or amygdala or not quite as big or they're too big or whatever it may be. And maybe this person kind of has the physical brain of a narcissist, but maybe they grow up in a really kind and loving environment. And they may have, they may be really ambitious. They may not need a lot of sleep at night. Um, their sense of smell may not be great because physically they they have, you know, the DNA of a narcissist, but they may grow up in a loving home and not turn out that way. And then I think some of us are traumatized. This changes your brain chemistry and how things grow and progress. And so then they can't get out of that. 
Um, and then some people are just spoiled. So I don't think there's no there's no one way. There's no one path to narcissism. Right. I just don't. We we Amen. are incredibly complicated yeah. human beings, and I don't right. think there's one pathway to any disorder. So yeah. and and if we limit it, yeah, if we limit how we think it occurs, and that's also going to limit how we treat it, and that we're just boxing yeah. ourselves in. And I think that's always dangerous to do. Yeah, some people have uh, XX uh, chromosomes. Uh, that's the female, right? XX. And then XY is the male. But uh, mm-hmm. some people are born with XXY um, um, or the other way around, XYY. But I think it's XXY. And, and, and that naturally makes them real more hostile and aggressive and in a negative way and more narcissistic. They're, I mean, you know, so they're born that way. Some of them, you know, so some people are born more selfish than others in different ways. But I think in general, you know, it's mostly uh, environment and choices that we make. Some people have a good environment and still choose to become selfish. So I, I think yeah. sometimes a, a, a girl that grows up very beautiful is at a disadvantage um, because people want their attention and, and they give them whatever they want. And, and uh, if they're in high school, you know, they can, you know, they're, you know, everybody just sort of, you know, uh, favors them or, or tries to be their mm-hmm. friend and stuff like that. And, and so they become uh, narcissistic or people that were uh, just a nobody growing up and then they become, uh, they develop some, you know, make a lot of money you know, by some invention or something. And they may have been a nerd all their lives, but, or something. And then all of a sudden they're real rich and, and, uh, and, and, and then they get attention for that. And so they become more, they choose to become more narcissistic. So it's you know, genes, environment, and choices. Together. Exactly. And I think that people can, like you said, Melanie, people can come at it in different stages in their life. Like, um, you know, they are very narcissistic as a baby, and then they learn through healthy parenting, oh, maybe that's not attractive behavior, and let's try getting attention for being kind and nice. And, you know, they go through that stage, and then, like you said, Paul, maybe they then uh, they were always a nerd, and then they their invention goes wild, and now they're super popular, and they spend 10 years as the most narcissistic, self-centered, entitled jerk ever because of this event that happened positive or negative in their life and then through that decade or whatever of really having high narcissistic traits they are then humbled (laughs) and um and go wow you know are able to look back at themselves and go yeah that was really not attractive behavior oh my gosh everybody from that decade i need to go apologize to and those are people that can evolve and then you have other people that i think get stuck there and think well this is the this is a way to have power i don't want to evolve from this this is fantastic and i'm going to stay here so i think you have to have that underwriting sense of wanting to evolve um, and um, evolving takes a certain amount of pain and a lot of introspection, which narcissists are, you know, not necessarily good at. <laughs> well, they, they have, you know what they, they do, they have pain in the sense that, that uh, I don't, I don't believe anyone can be truly happy and be a narcissist. They may act right. happy. They, I, agree. I, I haven't met any happy uh, narcissists in, in my life because, I think happiness can only come when you 
love and are loved uh, by you know one or more people, and, and that you know a genuine empathetic hearing and love is the only thing that brings happiness. I agree absolutely. Well, let's talk. Let's turn a little bit over towards um, the the things that we've noticed in ourselves because listeners love it when we call ourselves out and I have to say this too I just spoke to someone tonight who's thinking about being a podcaster on the network uh, they've been listening to the different shows on the network including mine for a long time and um, one of the things that they said to me tonight was I'm so glad that you guys share your personal stories and that you share mm -hmm. them about different things, good things and not so good things, because it it's validation for many of us who are sitting and listening, thinking that we're crazy, we're awful, we did this horrible thing, and then we hear you admit to it, or you say you're struggling with something, and it's like, oh, okay, it's almost you know makes it okay um, for them to be human. So, um, so I'm going to start off with you, Paul. <laughs> Oh, you are. Let's put Paul on the spot. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here in front of in front of my computer, uh, looking at a, a a long list of narcissistic traits, and I'm thinking, man, I've got almost all of them. <laughs> and I've got you guys fooled into thinking I'm humble. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's that's one. You know, <laughs> that's so fun. See, I think those things too. Wouldn't it be the biggest? Um, uh, What's what's the word I'm trying to find here? The biggest act or the biggest uh, magic act if all of a sudden I turned out to be this raging narcissist and I fooled everybody. You know, I think yeah. about those things too. But anyway, let's start with okay. you, Paul. I'll, I'll be the second okay. narcissist here. Uh, I, uh, here here's, some, here's some of the narcissistic traits that I have sometimes. That, that in, uh, I, I, I think I am a, a humble enough guy and a loving enough guy so that I don't I don't go around looking for ways to purposely be narcissistic but unconsciously it, it, it you know since part of me really is narcissistic because I'm a human it, it comes out like uh, a narcissist easily shifts blame well if my wife and I uh, have a disagreement you know I'm gonna think that, uh, that it's her fault you know probably 90% of the time it's probably only her fault 80% of the time. Oh. <laughs> I'm joking about that. <laughs> That's I bet a joke. it's her fault. Maybe, maybe 20%. Here. You're terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, I'm sure goodness. it's 50-50. And then uh, a, a sense of superiority uh, places them above others. Uh, I don't know if uh, that. I don't see that in any way, shape, or form, Paul, with you. Like, zero yeah, percent that for you. That no. Yeah. Mm -mm. Okay. But uh, likes to be the center of attention. Um, uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do. And uh, another one that, that goes along with that dominates conversations because they believe that what they have to say is more worthwhile than what other people say. <laughs> 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 and I, I hate to admit to that. I guess I'm laughing out of guilt. Uh, you know, I, I I believe what you guys what you guys have to say is is just as important as what I have to say. But but uh, part of me, I mean, you know, I, I I do talk too much on on these programs, and then I feel convicted of it later. So, 
Do, you also I know do. a lot, Paul. You know a lot. So you're over eager to share. And that's yes, what ends exactly. up happening. Yeah, I don't think it's yeah, done out of a place of narcissism. You're just still really no. excited about psychiatry and psychology and you just want to share. And sometimes, you know, I think you feel like you go overboard on that, but I don't I don't see yeah. it that way. It doesn't come across that way to me. <laughs> I, I, I've I, never I felt know. disrespected. Yeah. I want people to know to know everything and that doesn't mean I need to be the only one that talks so that they know everything I think is important. <laughs> right. It's a fine line. It's a fine line. But it, I think it's the place that it comes from. And it's not coming from a haughty, superior. I I, I can't even, I, I wouldn't even know what to do with myself if I ever felt like you were being superior. That I would be like, did Paul just get... Um, invaded by an alien like that's so not <laughs> you you know so it, yeah. it it doesn't come from that selfish place it's more of a like you said i want to share what i've learned but anyway go ahead to the next one these criticism is a, a baseless attack well i no i i mean i value constructive criticism but sometimes when i'm criticized i don't know that that may not be a good one because it depends on who's delivering. Most of these I don't have, See? you know. Oh <laughs> um, well, well, they they think that they're special or God touched, uh, and I I do believe that I'm special not because I'm special, but I think God is. He uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and uh, and I think you know because I'm narcissistic and foolish and you know deep down i think god likes to use people with faults and uh, so i do think i'm god touched but not because i not because i'm superior so are you because, saying uh, that you think that you're touched touched <laughs> uh, well believe they're beyond the, the rules laws do not apply to them and uh in uh when i'm when i'm driving um <laughs> Uh, uh, speed limits are suggestions, and uh, <laughs> that's you know, my wife right and I have already driven home in our own <laughs> neighborhood at two or three, at two o'clock in the morning or something, and and I'll just drive through a, a stop sign or something, and and my wife will say, "Don't you shouldn't do that. It's, it's you know, it, it's it's against the law." And I say, "Well, it's only against the law if a policeman sees you do it." You know? <laughs> I'm joking with her, of course, but I've heard but, that. I mean, I I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't break laws to risk other people's lives, but but I don't drive the speed limit. People that drive the speed limit sometimes get a ticket because they're hold, holding up other people. I mean, they need to get in the right lane and if they want to go the speed limit. And get out your way, yeah. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's go. Those are um, some of the ways. Those are some of the ways. Go ahead. Yeah. Those are some of the ways I, that I'm narcissistic. So Melanie, how about you? What what ways? I'll I promise I'll go next. But what ways have you looked at yourself? You know, in the past or currently or whatever that you realize? Oh, okay, those are some things that I need to work on. Yep. Well, I think I've shared with you that I feel like I definitely had a time in my life where uh, I was becoming overly narcissistic, and I recognize it now, and I I cringe, and it was after a very traumatic event in my life, and. And then adding on as an adult, you know, I'm, all, I'm so introspective. So I think about myself and my personality and, you know, even as a child, uh, people kind of came to me for advice and 
you know, just expected me to be maybe older and wiser and more mature. So I feel like I grew up really fast and have just always been the person that everyone else came to. And so there was this unspoken message in my head that no one else was going to take care of me. So I was going to have to take care of myself because everyone always came to me to be taken care of. And so I think that untrue statement of I'm going to have to take care of myself led me into this very kind of narcissistic thinking where it, I was always just going to take care of myself first because no one else was because everyone always came to me from this strong persona that I had or intuition or whatever it was, or, or, you know, easy to trust me or whatever. And so I was just like, well, I'm just going to look out for myself. That was like my ego was looking after itself. And I think there was a time in my early twenties where it really just reflected in my life choices and, you know, and then sometimes it's just about priorities. I, I think I've told this on the show before, but I remember going to an interview in undergrad school and it was a really great job, you know, that I could have had. It was actually a friend that my mom worked with daughter worked there and she was offering me the job. And I literally walked up in there and was like, well, I can't work this shift and this shift because working out is priority in my life. Like <laughs> I literally was just so narcissistic about it. And just, and I literally, <laughs> the woman was speechless. She was like, she looked at me speechless and she didn't know what to say. And she says, well, you just sound like, you know what you really want out of life. You know, I think she really didn't know what to say. And so, but there were other things too, that I feel like uh, <laughs> that were just kind of narcissistic, but I think it was, you know, it was kind of this, this, unhealthy thinking pattern in my own head that I was going to have to take care of myself. And so a lot of times I would put myself first out of self-preservation, which is where narcissists stems from, narcissism stems from. So I feel like I understand that. Maybe it's why I can understand narcissism so well. I certainly was lucky enough to, you know, to, to be saved and my, my complete viewpoint was turned around. The other thing that I feel like can be really narcissistic is I'm just stubborn. I am as stubborn as yes, they come. You are. Oh I am, my lord! You I'm have not. No idea. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to listen to anyone else and what they say. I'm gonna, <laughs> I want to know myself. Like I don't care if I end up something bad happens. I just have to. I have to know myself. I have to figure it out, even if the person knows it's going to fail or something. I'm just extremely stubborn about doing things my way. Um, and so that is something that pops up pretty frequently. Now, I'm not going to inconvenience anyone else with it, but in my own little circle, I can be really stubborn about things. So those are the things that kind of pop up in my mind. How about you, Kristen? Hey, Melanie. Hey, yes. Melanie. Uh, yes. Before we go to Kristen, can I ask you a question? Yes. Uh, that people may want to know, too. How You mentioned that uh, when you experienced a trauma, um, you became somewhat more narcissistic. And, yes. And I'm not asking that uh, mentioned what the trauma is or anything, but but how how do you think a trauma? Because you know, usually you would think a trauma would make somebody more um, you know more humble and uh, or, or maybe maybe I'm wrong, but how how can a trauma make somebody more narcissistic? I'm sure you're right, but oh, good question, good question. That is an excellent question. Um, I think it's all about your defense mechanisms. I think your defense mechanisms can go either way. 
uh, for me, the, the trauma stemmed from literally just being a abandoned by family because I had told the truth about something that had happened in our family and no one wanted it to come, you know, from under the rug per se. And so I literally was, you know, just left to deal with things on my own. And that was such a vulnerable feeling that I put up defenses that made me narcissistic. And I think that's what happens. It's, it's unhealthy. A trauma can, you can have healthy coping mechanisms or unhealthy coping me mechanisms. And I ended up having this very unhealthy coping mechanism of putting walls up, not, not letting anyone in, which basically I feel like what brought me out of my narcissism was that I realized how lonely it was. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. I, I need someone else in here to help me take care of me because it's awfully yeah. narcissistic for you to be independent, like over, you know, over independent. And I am really independent, but it's kind of narcissistic to be that way. So I think my loneliness and my, and my want and need to love other people, because what I realized was, okay, I've cut off my ability for, to let other people love me, but it's also cut off my ability to love other people. And that's really the basis of what my spirit is. I'm just a very loving person. And so literally I was dying on the inside. Thank goodness I had the insight to realize that, right? But I don't know yeah. if that answered your question or not, but I, I do think yeah, it's a did. lot about, it's defense mechanisms. Yeah. I think that's what happens when people respond to a trauma. Uh, yeah. All sorts of dysfunctional things can happen that can, that can make you that way. And then a lot of times yeah, trauma so. indicates uh, being stuck or lack of growth or not being able yeah. to work through something. And I think oftentimes, you know, that limits your ability to mature into less narcissistic behavior. So I think that's kind of what trauma does. It stunts you. Yeah, that makes sense. And that reminds yeah. me of a, uh, of a song by uh, uh, Paul Simon that I, I think I've mentioned before on one of our podcasts, but, a uh, beautiful song uh, about somebody that grows up uh, traumatized, and so he he becomes uh, n narcissistic in a sense that he doesn't empathize with others, and and he keeps people at a distance, and and he you know has superficial relationships, and and then he meets a really great woman, you know that that uh, he's either married to or in love with or something, and and uh, and the name of the song is something so right. He says, I can't get used to something so right. And he said, there's a wall in China a thousand miles long to keep the foreigners out. They built it strong, but there's a wall inside me that no one can see. And it takes a long time to get next to me. Mm. Not, Isn't that I Paul Simon? Of what, yes. uh, that, I thought of that when you were saying that. So some people can react to trauma by walling themselves off and just, like you said, being self-sufficient. Yep. But they're unhappy. They're lonely and unhappy. Yep. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Well, we're okay. all done now, so we can... Not go down oh, hush, on, no, you have to go, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen, can you think of a single narcissistic trait? That you well, have? three things. Come on, we oh, have three things. Good Lord, yes. Are you kidding? I've never Let's seen any yet. Okay, <laughs> so the full disclosure. So, um, yeah, when I first... When I, okay, when I, you know, had the childhood trauma and all that stuff, so I totally related to everything Melody said. Well, that's hands down. That's that walls and wall inside me and all that stuff. But I know that um, what happens is you have this uneven growth because 
the trauma happens and then maybe it happens, you repeat patterns from your childhood because you haven't worked through that original trauma and that's, those are gifts for you to finally work on them. But some of those re-traumatizations can be further stunting in your growth and so you lash out, you're, you're angry, you are so really self-centered, um, and and then you come out of that time and you get humble and you um, make your amends and so on. So I've seen that happen over and over again um, throughout my life for sure. And I know that like when I started this company, when I started this network, um, I got pretty um, narcissistic in the beginning um, about it. and. It was out of that same way that I go, where people were really, some people I had let in that were really toxic and really narcissistic themselves, and uh, a mirror of stuff that I just pretended I wasn't. And they asked me to play in the land of narcissism with them, and I fully agreed and jumped on to do that. So I'm not blaming them. Okay, I want to make sure that <laughs> that I take full ownership here of my own behavior. But I played in the land of narcissism with them to the point that it made my teeth feel like they were rotting outside of my head. And I've said that, Paul, in front of you. Like, I had some people that were part of this network that were like, the things they would say about me, it was like, I didn't go to the bathroom every day. I'm so, Kristen's so wonderful that she does this and that, and blah, 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 to the point where I would get a cavity listening to them talk about me. And I, and I had to, I, I never got that as a kid, like that overblown whatever. So I, there was a part of yeah. me that was five years old and like, oh, oh I need to hear all this stuff. Oh. Oh my God, like it was the best ice cream you've ever read until I got sick of it and went, Oh, I can't believe that I lapped that up. And that was so obvious. Everybody could see what I was doing. Mummy. And, uh, and, you know, I, I finally realized it, but I can say that my behavior during some of those times was pretty tough to take for myself and also for the people in my life. <laughs> There's nothing like eating big slices of humble pie and the want to grow. You know, I mean, I think that that's what sort of separates you from someone that wants to stay stuck there. I mean, sure, I could have stayed stuck there. I think a lot of uh, people do because it does feel good. But I have a want to grow up. I have a want to um, acknowledge the wounded child be the healthy parent for her, and then be my adult self. I care very much about that. Why would I do all these shows? I mean, over a thousand shows talking about mental health if I didn't want to grow up. But boy, was I unpleasant to be around. Um, And I can't say that that won't happen again in a different degree. I don't think it'll go as far as it did the first time. But um, I certainly was uh, quite uncomfortable to be around during that time. So that's mine. Melanie watched, what? Melanie watched it all. So she was there. Yeah. <laughs> She's still here. So thank God it wasn't too awful. What, what you said, 
is uh, so when I do therapy with a narcissist, like I'm, I'm, I'm going to see one tomorrow. Nobody knows what date we're recording this on, so I could say that. No, but I'm going to see a narcissist tomorrow. That I, uh, whenever she comes, I'm always happy to see her because she's such a sweet, humble person. Mm-hmm. Now I've been seeing her since uh, the mid '90s. So mm. what is that? Like 30 years? Uh, yeah. 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 Almost 30 years. And um, um, I mean, I just do medicine checks now but i used to do therapy but i remember you know i mean she was real narcissist real selfish and all that and uh but she came to me because she was depressed and i and 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 so lots of times if i like the mmpi and things like that if i show a narcissist that they came out in the 99th percentile for being self-centered you know i've had some that threaten to sue me and get you know they get really mad at me and i said i'm not telling you that that's what your test is saying you know i'm asking you to think that's true but with her you know, she was so miserable and lonely and depressed uh, that that I said, you know, uh, the most selfish thing you can do in a health, well, there's healthy narcissism there, isn't it? I said the most selfish thing that you can do uh, as far as uh, what's good for you is to learn to love and be loved and quit manipulating others. Right. And, because all these narcissistic traits that you're exhibiting are just bringing you misery. And if you learn to, to be a normal human that loves and gets loved and and thinks of other people and tries to put them first and practices it. Your, your life's going to get a lot better. And and she believed me, and uh, and she really worked at it. And she's become, you know, she turned out to be. I mean, she was just young, very young then. And uh, I mean, now she's raised, got kids, and I think a couple grandkids. But but she was a great mom and a great wife and all that after she decided that, you know, that being a narcissist was. A miserable way to live, but it's hard for a narcissist to admit that he or she is yes. a narcissist. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it takes a certain degree of introspection that you have to want to have, because some of them can be the most soulful people you could ever speak to, and you think they're so wise, and then you realize, yes, the words coming out of their mouth are wise. Uh, they've lived through a lot. But they really don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That happens too. And, and, you, and, Kristen, and you wanted you wanted insight. You wanted to grow yes. and become a better person. When you found yourself being somewhat uh, narcissistic, you know, because of your trauma and all that, and you know, self dependence oh, yeah. and self reliance, you wanted to grow. Yeah, I, think yeah, I, I hate, think. I hate myself yeah. sometimes it, when I see. Uh, selfishness in, in, in me. It just, oh, I, I, do. I, I don't hate myself, but I hate that in me. I just, just grieve. You know, there's nothing that makes me feel worse than, than seeing my own uh, narcissism when I see it. And that's, that's why you aren't one. Um, the last thing I'd say for me is this haughty superiority um, and uh, academic credentials were a way for my family to, live be this narcissistic organism of of an unhealthy family and so any time that i know that i just naturally crested upon the behavior of being haughty and superior without even realizing that's what i was doing like you know you learn how to be this way and then you behave it yourself and for a long time you don't even know that you're behaving that way and it takes some serious guts to turn around and look at yourself and go 
Oh, that's ugly. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> so anytime I get even a little haughty or a little superior about something, I immediately go, okay, let's pop some air out of that balloon and look at what that's really about because it's just, yeah. it's, oh, I can't stand it. But it, boy, does it come naturally until now. I don't think it comes naturally anymore, but, um, which is good. It's not my home. It's a place I visit every so often. The visiting days are getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> so those would be mine. <laughs> well, I'm glad that all three of us could have some introspection. That definitely, yeah. uh, that definitely means we're not narcissists, right? <laughs> yeah, you have to well, have not, it. We're not, first of all, I'm not narcissistic personality no. disorders because exactly that if. if yeah, because if we were, we wouldn't have any, uh, you know, a narcissist doesn't have any guilt about being narcissistic. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that you, we have to remember, listeners, that you, if you have the want to look at the ugliness of you or what you deem as ugly, maybe you need to look at, you know, is that really ugly? And that's some things, some things that my therapist does with me. Is that really an ugly thing, Kristen? That doesn't sound ugly to me. I think you've got some distortions there. Um, so there's that, but you have to want to go down that road or like um, Scott Peck's book, Take the Road Less Traveled. Um, you have to have the want and the desire to do it. And then you have to actually take the grit, the sweat, the look at yourself in the mirror and all your quote unquote glory and um, and be brave enough to stare at yourself and your own abyss and your own madness. Um, and those are great. Um, you know, those are wonderful things to strive to do, but not everybody can or wants to make that journey that you're asked to do over and over and over again as a human being. There's got to be some biblical thing around that, Paul, the constant journey of being human. Oh. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I know, you know, I mentioned a lot of times David prayed that prayer uh, in Psalm 139, God searched my innermost thoughts and helped me to walk in a way that's pleasing to you. And he realized mm -hmm. uh, lots of times that they weren't. And he he was narcissistic when he uh, um, committed adultery with, I mean, he was up on his roof and saw uh, a woman in her yard taking a bath, you know, because they had outdoor baths. I'm sure she had a fence, but he was up on the roof, so he saw her anyway. And, and so uh, he had her husband uh, killed and uh, and married her. And then uh, Nathan, the prophet, came and told him about um, there's a man who had many, you know, thousands of sheep, and he was having friends over for dinner, and he had a, a peasant that worked for him that only had one pet lamb, and he went and grabbed that pet lamb and, and used it to uh, to serve dinner to his friends and david got so angry he said we should that man should be killed and nathan said you are the man you had all these you know these opportunities and everything as a king and yet you took that that one good man's only wife and uh and you know you took her and uh and then david was convicted and and grew out of that narcissistic attitude right Right. Well, here, here's a funny for the, to cap this off. Not that I need to be the only one that says a funny, but I just thought about this. And since my 
wonderful friend Michael listens to your shows, especially Paul, he'll get a kick out of this. Um, everything that is wrong with his phone is the fault of his phone. It isn't because he is have it has an issue now with his sight. It isn't because he shoves his phone in his pocket full of keys and coins and sits on it by accident. And it's always the phone's fault. So today we get on the phone and I accidentally hit mute and I'm talking away and you know, and he's like, hello, hello, hello. And so I am, I finally went, oh, I'm sorry. I, ha I fat finger that often. And I've noticed I've been doing that more. And I'm sorry about that. And I didn't do this as a, oh, see, no, 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 no. I just said, oh, isn't that funny? If that was you, you'd be blaming your phone. <laughs> and he you laughed. Know funny about phones and is, he, you know what's <laughs> funny about phones is if you, what, what they call butt calling. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, butt calling. Yeah, you have it in your pocket. Yeah. And your butt accidentally hits the call button, and uh, yep. and uh, have you ever had people call you accidentally? Oh uh, yeah, yes, and, yes. And have you ever called other people accidentally? Oh yeah, you know. Oh yeah, and, I walk and, around uh, going, "Who's somebody calls me?" Oh, it's my behind. Somebody calls me oh, accidentally. Yeah. If somebody calls me accidentally, I listen as long as I can. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's not enough, is it? I, I'm thinking, I wonder if you're going to say something bad about me. You know? <laughs> I would hang up immediately because I don't want to know. That's what happens. Stay Someone, with me, Melanie. I'm just like, I'm going to hang up because I don't want to hear what's going on. I feel like I'm privately listening to someone's conversation. Yeah, we found that something I just don't want to hear them say something bad about me. <laughs> I don't think they're going to say something bad about me. I just, you know. I Especially if it's my kids that do it, you know, then. <laughs> Which is probably narcissistic of me to think that they randomly yeah, called yeah. me, but at that moment, of course, they would be talking about me in a negative way. I mean, it's, you know, there's a thousand ways we could look at this, but yeah, I've also walked around my home listening to someone talking and uh, somehow I answered someone who was butt dialing me or I was butt dialing someone and walking around going, what is that the radio on? what is that? And I'm going in circles until I finally realize that my phone is in my back pocket and yeah. I'm going in circles because I keep following the noise, which is in my back pocket. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, listeners, we hope that you've got an idea of, um, you know, just more ways that we can view narcissism, what it is. Uh, we all agree that we don't really believe in the healthy narcissism piece. I think that just is like a misnomer, but um, it's something to examine as our society is becoming more and more narcissistic and um, know that if you, now, if that, it hasn't turned into a disorder, you have a choice. You, you, you have to mention that. You have to mention that before we close that our society is becoming more and yes. more narcissistic. There's, I mean, there's studies on that that show that, uh, yeah. When, when, when uh, um, they, they, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they used to do an annual um, research study on people that were like 21 year olds or something like that, and they they'd ask them, "What's your goal in life?" And back, you know, we just celebrated World War One, uh, you know, not long ago. The people that died in World War One and all that, but back in that, the great generation. Um, you know the the 21 year olds uh, their number if they listed three goals you know it was to benefit mankind and to do this and to do that things like that and uh uh and and then you could see decade by decade 
those goals became more and more selfish. And uh, right. in, in recent generations, there's still good people now that are young, but, but uh, the, the most you know, common answer is to enjoy today, you know, uh, just right. to feel good. You, know, you do that with a, a drug or, you know, or sex with somebody that you don't love or, you know, um, to enjoy today, you know, it's one of the top goals that people have today. It's, it's that we are becoming a more and more narcissistic culture. And that's a whole nother show is why. Now, oh, yeah. We're, we can turn that. We can do that on our next show because we're going to keep theme going here to um, so we don't have to feel like we've got to get it all out in this yeah. um, in this one hour. But well, thank you yeah. to both of you. This this I'm going to I have lots to dream about and write down in the morning, Paul, and wonder when are we going to do a dream show so Paul can analyze this. <laughs> yeah, you've had some yeah. crazy dreams lately. Hey, we need yeah, to get, get people to uh, ask people to write in with their or email us with dreams, dreams. and, then, and yeah. then save up. Yeah. I love do that. Like, Send in dreams. Their dreams all the time. Ask them what, what yeah. you know, uh, you know, I, I had a patient last week that said, I'm having nightmares and, and, and you know, they're, they're really bad dreams. And I, and I tell them, I say, there's no such thing as a bad dream. Even mm -hmm. nightmares are not bad dreams. All dreams are good dreams. So nightmares are, may not be pleasant, but you can learn things from nightmares that help you to, to grow in and, and protect yourself and, so every dream is a good dream because we can learn something from every dream. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, listeners, send an email to info at mhnrnetwork.com and um, write us about your dreams um, and get them analyzed by the best. We won't say your name, of course. We won't say your email address unless you really want us to and say you have my permission. But, you know, just send them in and we'll – Last time I asked for someone to send stuff in, a, well, a bunch of people sent, it was funny because we did ask for this once before, and a bunch of people sent in their dreams, and I was surprised at how many of them were so similar that when we whittled it down, Michael and I actually did it together, we read them all, and we whittled it down to just out of like, I don't know, we had 75 emails or something, we whittled it down to like a top 10 because... Oh, well, you don't realize how many people have the same type of stuff going on. So we were able to do that with you, yeah. Paul, and you gave oh, yeah. answers like naked in school. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, we see repetitive. Yeah, you're right. We That's why it's easier to analyze them if you're a therapist and you're asking them them all the time because uh, exactly. you do see certain ones popping up in certain situations a lot. Absolutely. Well, this was awesome. I'm excited about doing our next one and listeners of course we want to say thank you to our listening family for tuning in to another edition of roundtable with dr paul meyer on mental health news radio hi this is dr paul meyer founder of the national chain of meyer clinics i've often told you about how people just like you are getting the healing that they need from emotional issues like depression anxiety anger problems and relational problems we wanted to share with you mickey's experience at our day program and how it has affected his life the Meyer Clinics has been a real blessing to me. Dr. Meyer told me that people get well here and my life has been completely changed. I have been symptom free for three years and I'd recommend it to anybody that really wants to overcome an emotional problem of any kind. Mickey's story is like so many others that we receive. 
It's an encouragement to us, and we hope it will also be an encouragement to you to call us to get the emotional help that you've needed. Please call toll-free 888-7-CLINIC to be connected to the Meyer Clinic program nearest you. That's 1-888-7-CLINIC or go to MeyerClinics.com. That's www.meierclinics.com. Without good intentions, I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial.